Hello, hello, and welcome to or welcome back to the Vibe Hive. It's me, Cheyenne, and in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the lack of resources in the Black community. My community lacks so many resources that we need, and it's dire to our advancement, and it's dire to just our well-being, and we simply just don't have these. And the ones I'm going to be talking about in this episode is the lack of financial literacy, the lack of mental health rehabilitation and rehabilitation just in general and the lack of healthy food options and this is going to be a two-part little series that I'm going to do because in my next episode I'm going to be talking about gentrification in Chicago essentially gentrification is a problem everywhere but I've seen it firsthand in Chicago and I want to talk about that because it kind of goes hand in hand with the lack of resources but I'm going to be talking about that much more in the next episode so make sure you're tuned in for that Speaking of the lack of rehabilitation for like mental health and things like that, I do have an entire episode about mental health in the black community. So if you haven't heard that or if you haven't listened to it, I strongly suggest that you do not even trying to like, you know, push people to listen to my stuff or anything. (laughs) But I do talk about that a lot more. I talk about the stigmas where mental health in the black community kind of stems from, how people cope with it. And I also have a lot of resources and material and, you know, like blog posts and things like that in my Instagram, which I'm going to push at the end. I always do. It's a little bit too pushy to do it in the first one minute and 30 seconds, (laughs) but I do have an entire episode on that. So if you're interested, go check that out. With all that being said, let's get into the episode. Now, before I get into like all of my main points and all of my different segments and stuff, I do want to talk about how um the black community how we're always demonized for the things that we lack and when i say demonized i don't mean like the satanic demonized you feel me i mean like we are always looked at by other other minorities and other races and stuff like that we're always looked at as like these these animals, these hoodlums, these these thugs, these predators, this and that and this and that. And we're always looked down upon. But but we're looked down upon because we don't have these resources that these other groups make sure that we don't have. Like, and I'm not trying to put the blame on nobody here. I'm not trying to say that one group is more responsible than the next, but There's definitely been like a a historical record of white people making sure that black people do not have resources, making sure that these making sure that low income communities and making sure that predominantly black communities don't have the proper education, don't have the proper mental rehabilitation, don't have the proper financial literacy, don't have proper food options. They don't have proper grocery stores, which leads to food deserts and stuff like that. So I'm saying all this to say that this demonization of our community is not warranted at all because it's the equivalent it's the equivalent of getting mad at like a three-year-old because they don't know their right and their left like they put on the wrong shoe on the wrong foot but how can you get mad if one that child doesn't know any better and two that child has not been taught it before not saying that us as a community like we don't have our own responsibilities and we're not responsible for the things that we do because (laughs) We definitely are. We can't be oblivious. We can't act like we don't hold some type of responsibility for the downfalls and stuff that we have. However, the overarching issue and the overarching, I guess, I lost my train of thought, but you get me. The overall like issue and stuff that we have is that these other communities are always talking down on us and always stereotyping us. And that's not saying we need to depend on another community or we need to depend on another race to make sure that our advancement is like is guaranteed however when other races that have more power than we do does everything in their historically has done everything in their power to make sure we will never reach a point of greatness or we'll never reach a point of success it's hard it's really hard to try to advance and it's hard to try to move as a community i'm not talking about individually because individually you have a lot of you know wealthy well-off black people but as a community when we look at when we look at black people as a whole in america not even just chicago but in america we have a lot more work to do and we're always marginalized and oh it's such a headache but 
I'm saying this before I get into the episode just to say that the stereotypes and the demonization and the the judgments and stuff like that for our community is not even warranted. It's not even it's not okay at all because we quite literally don't have the resources to get to the point where we need to be. So why are we being judged? Why are we being demonized? Why are we being stereotyped all the time? It doesn't make somebody make it make sense. Now, I feel like I had to get out my pro-black ramble before we get into this episode. I had to. It it was a must. But in this segment, I'm going to be talking about what financial illiteracy is and how that affects us as a community. And it it was really surprising to know that not a lot of people even know what financial literacy is. A lot of people have never heard that term before, which is an issue in and of itself. But according to Google, financial literacy is the possession of set skills and knowledge to make informative decisions with financial resources. Now, to put that definition in normal terms, it's pretty much saying that you have the skill sets and you have the knowledge to make good decisions with your money. And a lot of people in this community, we do not have these skills and we do, we're not ever taught these skills either. We're not taught about how to manage money. We're not taught about how to make good loans, which I'm going to get into later. We're not, we're not taught about, well, we're not taught like the value of money and how to regenerate money and how to save money and how to just how to do certain things with money. And although money is not the root of like all problems in the black community it definitely is one of the major ones you see that in a lot of low-income neighborhoods it's main it's mainly african americans it's mainly us it's mainly it's always mainly a certain group of people and that's not to say that other low-income communities are not not wait hold on how do i want to say this that's not to say that other low-income communities are not not black is that how is that the right like words to say are not not black yeah that's not to say that other low-income communities can't be mainly hispanic or can't be mainly asian or can't be mainly polish bro whatever (laughs) whatever race that's not to say that these low-income communities can't be that however we see most of the time that low-income communities are um black people they're us and it's sad but that's what it is and although different factors play a role into low-income communities and they play a role into this financial illiteracy such as gentrification which I'm going to be talking about in next episode and redlining and just racism and and just a lot of other things that contribute to low-income communities and stuff like that money is definitely a huge one now there's this test well not test but it's a survey and it's called the PFIN index and the PFIN index is basically just a global survey that is based on financial literacy. I don't, I'm not really sure like how frequently it's done. However, I know that this survey basically surveys people on a lot of different aspects of money, such as borrowing money, managing debt, how to save money, how to invest in stock, how to make sure your money is passed down to generations and generations. This is a survey that is done. And the people who scored the highest on the survey or the people who like the you know what I'm trying to say man cuz i don't think survey surveys dog i don't think surveys <laughs> can be scored however if i'm wrong somebody let me know please but the results of the survey showed that the group who can the group who understands money and understands saving money and understands distributing wealth the most was white people do i think that's a coincidence absolutely not absolutely not if we're just going to talk about historically white people have been ahead of us for 400 almost 500 years now of course they're going to know more about money of course they're going to know how to manage money of course they're going to know how to how to make sure their money goes down generation to generation of course they're going to know how to generate wealth of course they are because the entire system was taught and set up for them to make sure they have they always have their hands in money granted i'm not saying all white people are rich by no means i know enough white people who are not rich okay let me just let me just put that out there all white people are not rich but this survey just showed that white people generally understand and they generally know how to manage money and things like that and another thing that i found in the survey the best the best score among black people we scored the best 
in borrowing money and managing debt. Let me repeat that. We had the best score in borrowing money and managing debt. Does that match the definition of financial literacy? We should not be amazing in borrowing money and we should not be amazing in managing debt. Granted, these skills are good to know. It's good to know how to manage money and it's good to know how to borrow money. But that being the best score amongst amongst the black community as a whole, that sh- that bro, that shows something. And this, even like putting this on a more smaller scale with borrowing money and managing debt, dog, I'm going to take, let me see, just take the average, <laughs> take the average 20 year old Twitter user who's black. Almost every single one of their tweets is going to be talking about how they have zero money, how they're broke and how they spend all their money on food. Granted, I might be the Twitter user who's 20 years old. <laughs> I might be the Twitter user. I spend my money on food a lot and I spend my money on clothes. But I mean, it just goes to show that these habits about spending money and these habits with borrowing money start at a very young age in the black community. Very young, younger than 20, younger than 18, younger than 15 even. These hab- and, and these habits are like normalized. You see it being normalized with, like, afterpay programs like Klarna and stuff and, like, whatever other afterpay programs there are. You see this generally. You see generally minorities using these programs and stuff like that. And, yes, these programs hold a certain value. Obviously, these programs are good for, like, if you want something, you don't have the money yet. So, you're going to, like, pay off in payments and this, this, and this. You see this with a lot of different um amenities and different resources and things like that you always see like these afterpay programs and stuff like that but to what point do us as a well do at what point does the black community and us as a community understand that programs like this and behavior like this and the and the normalization of this behavior is detrimental to us it like it's not okay and the p index just shows that the p index just shows that it, it gives us solid proof that that's what's wrong with us as a community. Now, going back to the resources that we lack, we do lack financial literacy. We do lack knowing that, well, we do lack the information. We lack the knowledge to know how to save this money and how to regenerate this money. And I just want to get into how we have little to no financial classes or finance classes in like schools and things like that. Now, with my, like, research and stuff like that, and with everything that I gathered and wrote down and things like that, I found that 75% of Gen Z, they want classes about finances. And this is just an overall survey of everyone in, in Gen Z. Like, no race or anything like that. This is just every person who, is, who falls under Gen Z. 75% of us, we want finance classes. And these finance classes can be distributed through the schools. There is no, I don't think there's anything put in place saying that schools can't teach us about finance. And I'm not trying to put all the blame on schools, but we do have to understand that education first starts with, education starts young. And this financial literacy and this, you know, teaching about how to manage money well and how to gain money and how to save money, how to properly save money and things like that. This can be taught to us at a very young age, starting at, let's say, middle school, right? Because most most people in middle school, they start getting allowances or either you see parents, like, paying them to do chores and stuff like that, you know, trying to teach them responsibilities and things like that, of course. And I feel like these financial literacy classes should go hand in hand with, like, sex ed classes. Because you get the sexual education classes in, like, middle school and stuff like that. Everyone's required to take, you have to sign a, you have to have your parents sign a form and this, this, and this. And although sexual education is very important, (laughs) very important, I feel like we should implement classes about finance and about the value of money and things like that as well, like right, right beside sex ed. It should be like required for middle schoolers to take it, right? Because then 
once these middle schoolers go to high school, they can make the decision if they want to keep taking these finance classes or if they don't want it anymore. But I definitely feel like it should be required that middle schoolers take a finance class at least once. At least once. What what are the grades in middle school? Like sixth to eighth grade? Or like seventh to eighth grade? Regardless, they should take a finance class at least once in all those grades. They need to. We need to. Especially in these low-income communities. It needs to be especially um what's the word i'm looking for it needs to be promoted a lot more in these low-income communities too because you see that in these communities people start working very young people start working as young as like 13 just so they can provide for their family just so they can provide for their own things pay for bills and things like that because the sad truth is that a lot of young people they have to pick up jobs and they have to do stuff just so they can support their family as well so these classes need to be taught in middle school as early as middle school now in high school one thing i want to point out is that at thornridge that's where i went to high school at in thornridge we didn't have any finance classes and i'm not like trying to put the blame on thornridge or 205 or none of that but we had zero finance classes and i know for a fact because i heard it all the time i heard so many of us as students saying we need classes that tell us how to save money we need classes that show us how to invest in stock we need classes that you know help us manage manage debt we need classes to teach us how to be functioning adults or how to be financially well adults once we get out of here and i feel like with enough demand enough support there should be something in place for us to you know there should be something it doesn't have to be a class it can be an assembly you feel me? It can be people coming in every like two months just to talk to us about different topics about money and things like that. And I, what the real head scratcher with all of this is that I have seen white communities. I've seen predominantly white communities and predominantly white high schools have these finance classes. Why don't we have those? And don't and and people can't lie and say, oh well, we don't have enough funding for that. We don't have enough teachers for that. Because yes, we do. Yes, we do. More than likely, these boards and these trustees and this, this, and this and this school board administration, they're mainly filled up with white people. Let's get that straight. White people controlling black schools and they control what classes we oh man, I'm getting I'm getting into I'm getting into something that I don't want to get into in this episode. But I'm saying this to say that in my high school, we didn't have any finance classes. The only semi-finance class we had was financial algebra. And I didn't take that class, so I can't really speak about a lot of it. But from people that I know who took that class, they were saying like, oh, we're not really even like getting taught true finance. We're getting taught like, like how, oh my God, I'm not the best at math, but they were getting taught like these you know, like, is that Y equal MX plus B? Like, you can make a chart, and then you can see, like, you can put money here, and then over years, how is it compounded annually? How is it compounded uh, by, and, you know, my math was just know what I'm talking about, but we get taught things like that, and yes, that's beneficial, but that's only beneficial when you are, when you already have a lot of money, so these classes and this financial literacy, it's not only, it's not only, like, good for just high school it's good for even people out of high school to have these classes it can become a communal thing where we can hold classes at you know town halls or we can hold classes at park districts that teach us about financial literacy and things like that and even those well-off black people that i was talking was i talking about this i don't know if i deleted that clip or not but even well-off black people quote-unquote well-off black people or more wealthy black people they also should go and teach these communities and show these communities how to save money celebrities for example who are from chicago can do this and can teach us how to be better financially and how to have this financial literacy granted a lot of people also say that financial literacy needs to be taught in the homes um parents should be teaching this it's not the school's responsibility to teach financial literacy but those same people who say that are the same people that say that schools are required and schools should give out food it should give out warm lunches and hot meals because people at home can't do it 
it's the same exact thing. Why are we putting so much emphasis on food and not enough emphasis on the education? Now, food does matter. Let me just get that straight. Food does matter. But we have to understand that the same way with food, the same way that parents may not be able to provide their kids a warm meal every night, parents are not able to provide their kids with the education and the knowledge about being financially literate, which is why we need these classes and which is why we need this education about finances in the schools. It all starts when we're young. If we're taught these things when we're young, we'll understand that with these minimum wage jobs that we have when we're young, we'll understand how to save money. We'll understand how to be financially literate. We'll understand that sadly in this capitalistic world that we live in money can get you out of a lot of issues money can get you out of a lot of problems like such as like money can get you out of poverty with poverty comes violence comes um mental health help which i'm which i'm gonna be talking about next comes all these other factors that play into not into simply just not having money so if we're taught this when we're young how to save money we can get a head start right you would think so. I think so. But another thing that I want to talk about, which is going to get into the gentrification side of things, but one thing that I want to point out and one thing that I want people to notice is that when you ride through predominantly black communities and when you ride through gentrified communities and when you ride through low income communities, you do not see banks. You don't see banks, really. You see these money loans and these payday loan places that are placed in African-American communities on purpose because the combination of not having financial literacy and money payday loan places is such an evil combination. It's so evil. And these money loan, these payday loan places are placed in these communities because they know the companies who are mainly owned by white people they know that if they place these into low-income communities one we're not financially literate and we're not financially well off enough to have our own money let's get that straight and then two they know that if they put this easy easy money money today blah blah blah, get a loan today pay it off later the pay it off later part it compounds over time and the more that you wait the more it goes up that's how interest works that's how interest percentage works interest interest percentages that was so hard to say that's how that works and which which goes into being taught about this stuff in school and stuff like that people will easily come into these payday loan places get a loan out feel like oh just because i have a loan it's okay and then over time the loan that they took out ends up being more than what they have to pay off because they waited so long to pay off the loan like people could take out a loan for five thousand dollars and then just a year later that five thousand dollar loan they have now they have to pay back almost seven thousand you have to pay back almost eight thousand because they waited so long and this kind of goes more to the, the gentrification episode which i'm going to be talking about but i feel like i needed to say that too Now, another resource that I feel like us in the black community lack, I feel like we really lack like the resource of healthy food options or just healthy food in general. A lot of people may not think that this is a huge issue or that this is like a groundbreaking problem in our community, but it definitely is. I feel like food food is the nutrient of life and literally every human on earth needs food and a lot of us in this community, we we we've built a culture around food which is amazing we have soul food we have so we have soul food that's all i gotta say we got soul food and that food is delicious come on thanksgiving just passed bro come on come on yams macaroni collard come on come on like that food is delicious but we have built a culture around food and we built an idea around food that is it's kind of unhealthy in a little bit and because we lack the resources of healthy food this can be very detrimental to us as a community and like with all that being said with black people 
creating a culture of food and creating this bond with food that we use to share with each other, share with family. We literally grow as a community with food a lot and we lack a lot of the healthy foods. Now, I'm no nutritionist. I'm not no super healthy. I I mean, I eat okay. Like, <laughs> I don't eat the healthiest, you feel me? But it's not terrible. But definitely in the Black community, we lack a whole lot of healthy foods. And one thing that I want to, like, pinpoint with this is food deserts. And this has a, like, just everything I'm talking about in this episode is caused by gentrification, but I'm not going to talk about it as much. But food deserts and gentrification kind of go hand in hand because you see that healthy food is always further away from low-income areas. A lot of low-income neighborhoods, especially in Chicago, they're really far away from those resources to get healthy food, such as Whole Foods, Walmarts, Mariano's, Targets, etc., etc. And although these grocery stores are in the area, they're always hard to get to. Always. They're always further away from housing. They're always further away from apartments, further away from condos. And with that, that makes people not either one they don't have the resources they don't have the transportation to go and get this healthy food and then two the healthy food is always priced super high because these healthy food markets and these healthy food stores are in gentrified neighborhoods and those gentrified neighborhoods are filled up with affluent white people who can afford to pay $13 for some kale leaves and some oranges like and oh my god I just hit the microphone and that's the that's the issue here we lack these healthy foods and you and if you don't know what the term food desert is basically a food desert is a community or a place that does not have a lot of healthy food options on their shelves and including this like adding on to that if you do find healthy foods in a predominantly black area or a predominantly low income area the healthy foods are always on the verge of spoiling or they're already spoiled before they even hit the shelves and that's a shame and that causes people to not want to buy the healthy food that causes people to not want to buy these vegetables or these fruits or these protein um these healthy these good proteins and stuff like that and it's honestly ashamed. And then with that, you have these, you have fast foods. These fast food places are purposely placed in these areas. I remember seeing a TikTok on, I can't remember the name. I can't, probably can't even find it. But this isn't, it wasn't in Chicago. It was in New York. And it was a TikTok of a woman in New York. And she was going through like all the boroughs of New York. She was going through like Brooklyn, Queens, et cetera, et cetera. And she was showing how, in these areas, these areas are filled with fast food places. They're filled with McDonald's, Burger Kings, Taco Bells, Wendy's, etc., etc. They're filled with all of these places, but there isn't one grocery store in sight. There isn't one healthy food market in sight. But if you go just a little bit further out to like Soho, or you go a little bit further out to Manhattan and stuff like that, you see every single corner there's a Mariano's, every single corner there's a Whole Foods, every single corner there is some type of healthy food option there and i'm not saying that whole foods and mariano's are the only healthy food stores or healthy food grocery stores obviously but they're just those are just the main ones that come up in my head when i think of like cities and stuff like that but that just goes to show that these fast food places along with the food deserts is not a good combination in our community and we lack these healthy food options because these fast food places are placed for us to get them that's more on the gentrification side of things but still it's an issue and yes fast food is very convenient very convenient fast food is convenient it's easy to grab it's affordable and i hate that i hate the way fast food is pushed especially in the black community when you put fast food in comparison to let's say a apple or an orange, it's the same it's like the same price. If you go to McDonald's, bro, don't ask me why I remember the price of this, but a 10 piece chicken nugget meal from McDonald's is like $7.89. It's either $7.89 or like $8.95. One of those. If you go to like Walmart or you go to a healthy food place, you can get like some lettuce and you can get like some salad dressing you can get some fruits for almost like ten dollars and you can be perfectly fine you can be perfectly sustained off of that meal but 
because of the way the like I said because of how fast food places are placed in these communities and the food deserts and the lack of the healthy food actually in the places where they need to be at of course people of course us as black people we're going to be more and not even just us as black people just people in general but you know us as people we're going to be inclined to go to these fast food places to go to the nearest Wendy's to go to the nearest McDonald's or Burger King if you're eating Burger King I'm going to pray for you but if you if you choose to go there okay cool but at a certain point we have to wake up and realize like okay bro why are all these places near us like bro take take Dalton yeah take Dalton for example right so before the food for less on Sibley came I don't think it was anything there. I, I can't remember how far back the Food for Less first opened, but before the Food for Less, it was nothing there. There was a fairway, why don't, there's a fairway, right? I don't know why that was so hard to say. There was a fairway right on Sibley, and it was open for a decent amount of time, but then it closed down or whatever like that. So the nearest healthy food place that we could go to was the Walmart in, at the time, in Calumet City, because then it, it went over the bridge to Lansing, but whatever. So just taking that, just taking Dalton, just the Dalton community, the closest place to get fresh produce was like 10 minutes away. And that's not long. That's not a long ride. But think about inner cities. It, it takes like 30, it probably takes 25 minutes to get to the nearest Whole Foods or Mariano's or anything like that. And then especially, let's not bring out, let's not bring up the lower income rural black communities where these healthy food options are like 30 minutes away take bro take mississippi for example i have a lot of family in mississippi shout out to my family mississippi love y'all but take mississippi you're in the rural countryside if you go over to a white little country rural neighborhood they have little fresh food markets they have little fresh food stands and they have little you know grocery stores that have fresh fruits and stuff like that and little fresh fruit baskets and stuff like that but then you go into the black rural countryside of things you have to drive almost 30 45 minutes to your nearest walmart to just get an apple that's great that's that's crazy and we lack these resources and i can get really deep and really spiritual here and stuff like that about why fruits and vegetables and stuff are really important to us and stuff like that but i'm not going to get too into that because I'll be talking over here for a very long time, but we need, we need these things to survive. We need to eat vegetables. <laughs> we need to eat fruits. We need to eat good proteins in order to survive and thrive. And as a community, how in the world are we going to survive and thrive if these food options are not even available for us? And then with that also being said, with all of that being said, I feel like one thing that I really have to bring up is that with these, with with the resources of healthy foods lacking there's also a healthy food stigma in the community like i remember i think it was on like the black media outlet i think that's the instagram page i can't remember the, the name specifically but like one of those black instagram outlet pages or whatever like that i remember like a few months back they posted a meme and <laughs> and the meme was like <laughs> y'all know like the two mannequins were like pointing and laughing at the other mannequin and it was like yo this eat is a salad yo he eat a he eat a healthy like and and i know those are just like playful jokes and stuff like that but i feel like we need to stop doing that in the in the black community especially a lot of people get criticized for wanting to eat healthy which is weird to me like bro how you how are you upset with me because i want to eat a salad how are you upset with me because i'm not eating fast food anymore how are you mad at me because i want to be healthy like and that stigma has to go away because that that makes people not want to eat healthy that makes people not want to eat fruits and vegetables because in the community we see that people who eat healthy somehow are lame and somehow like aren't black anymore which is stupid because why is being healthy associated with whiteness hmm <laughs> how is that so but yeah, I feel like that healthy food stigma, we definitely got to stop that because one, that's not healthy at all. And two, that's what the white man want us to do. Come on, come on. Like, we got to stop doing that. And then another thing I want to bring up, um, I was pescatarian for like two years. Yeah, I was pescatarian for like two years. And uh, pescatarian is where you only eat seafood. I only ate like salmon, shrimp, um, soy fish, tilapia, et cetera, et cetera, like seafood, like seafood boils, crab, you know, et cetera, et cetera. That's all I really ate for about two years. 
along with like salads and stuff like that and that's not to say that I don't eat healthy now I definitely still do eat healthy but I can say that in that period in that period of time where I was like a pescatarian I definitely got um, bro this is literally like not even some super oppressive thing that people try to make it seem but I definitely like got I don't even like saying the term backlash because bro it wasn't back <laughs> it wasn't backlash but I definitely got like that weird look when I told other black people that like if I ever went out to like a social event or I ever went out with my family, not my immediate family, but like just other family members and stuff like that, um, I would be like, oh yeah, I'm a pescatarian. They look at me like, what? <laughs> what? Who do you think you are? Like, who do you think you are? And like, that's a, people think that you're better than people think that because you eat healthy and because you make a decision to change your dietary ways that you're somewhat better or you're trying to be better than another person or you feel like you're better because you eat this and not that and blah 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 and granted some people get like that I'm not gonna lie people get like that but we have to stop this stigma because especially as a black community we need to be more healthy we need to be more new nutrient conscious I don't even think that's a saying, but I made it up. We need to be more nutrient conscious because the statistics show, a lot of things show that we have, us as a race, we have a higher chance of high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, high blood sugar, high cholesterol. When are we going to realize that we need to eat healthier? But because of the lack of healthy food resource, see, oh my goodness, it's such a headache because, oh, it seems like, it seems like everything is systematically against us, which it is, but... Yeah, I just feel like the combination of food deserts and food and fast food being placed in low-income, predominantly black neighborhoods, and then the healthy food options being in these white, affluent, gentrified areas, along with the stigma, all of that just creates the perfect, the perfect concoction to make sure that us as black people, we don't eat healthy. And honestly, eating healthy is not hard, and eating healthy is not expensive. That's another like thing that people think. People think that eating healthy foods is expensive or has to be time consuming or it has to break your bank and break your pocket. And it really doesn't. It's just the way that we view food as a community and the way that we view the pricing of food can make it seem like it's expensive. Like, for example, you can go into Walmart or you can go into Sam's Club or whatever, and you can buy a whole 50 pack of chips. You can buy, um, I don't know. I don't grocery shop. <laughs> I don't grocery shop but you can buy a whole lot of unhealthy food for the same exact price as you would a lot of healthy food but of course it doesn't look appealing it's not marketed towards you it, it doesn't have these super cool labels and packaging and stuff like that so of course as a consumer you're not going to want to buy that stuff but let's just be a little bit more conscious about the stuff we eat I'm not saying create an unhealthy relationship with food and always focus on I need to eat this I need to make sure of this I need to eat these many calories I can't go past this blah blah but definitely just try to implement healthy foods in your life it's really important especially as a black community and yeah since we do lack these resources don't forget that you can grow your own fruit you can grow your own like you can literally make your own food seeds do not cost that much if you want to plant get into gardening if you want to make your own food make your own salads and stuff like that you can definitely do that and you should do it I wanted I want to start doing it like when the weather gets better I want to start growing my own stuff because a lot who that's a whole other conversation a lot of the stuff that gets produced has chemicals and other stuff in it but yeah it's not come on it's, you, we're literally made to plant stuff and make stuff and eat our the earth suffices us with everything we need so we can make our own stuff but we're just going to dive right back into what I was talking about at first, which is the lack of resources. And now we're going to talk about the lack of rehabilitation in the black community. And this this segment is going to be a semi long one. So make sure you're still here. Make sure you grab another snack, a healthy snack. Um, no, I'm not going to get whatever you want, bro. <laughs> get whatever you want. But if you can grab a healthy snacks, since I was just talking about healthy snacks. But yeah, let's just dive right into the lack of rehabilitation in the black community rehabilitation now there's a whole lot of different rehabilitations i guess you have you know drug rehabilitation you have rehabilitation when you get out of jail you have rehabilitation for mental health you have a whole lot of rehabilitation i'm going to be talking about all of those in this segment but I want to start off with the mental health help I do have an entire episode about mental health in the black community but that episode is more so about the stigmas where it stems from how 
um, mental health is treated in the black community more, more kind of more of that nature. But if you want to go take a listen, go ahead and do so. It's my second episode. Just I have to shamelessly plug myself from talking about this. <laughs> but in this in this specific episode, I'm going to be talking about the lack of mental health help and the lack of the rehabilitation the rehabilitation that comes with that. So when I say rehabilitation with mental health help, I mean more so after mental health like crises, 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 whatever, after mental health issues come up and it's too late. I've seen a lot of this firsthand. I've seen a lot of things where black people suffer from mental health issues and they don't get help or people don't reach out or these rehabilitation resources are not given to these people until it is too late. For example, I know a lot of people in the black community suffer from depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder is very high in the black community. Um, And these things, they're not treated until the very last minute, like I said. And the rehabilitation, the help for that is so scarce it's it's scary how scarce the rehabilitation for these mental health issues are in this community and with that does come you see a whole lot of white people in the psychology field you see a whole lot of white people in the counseling and therapy field and stuff like that so a lot of black people they don't want to go and get this help because they feel like oh a white person will not be able to understand my problems as a black person which is true that's very true a lot of white therapists cannot understand everything about a black person and their struggles because they essentially will never be they will never go through those struggles that black people do and also you don't see a lot of mental health help in the black community and i want to start with the schools in the schools you see that let's just take like just just high school just high school um a lot of like high school counselors or a lot of just predominantly black high schools in general they don't have like high school psychiatrists they don't have high school psychologists and a lot of white communities they do have on-hand psychologists and therapists at the school to help them to help students um go through things to help students work through things such as academic stress or just genuine anxiety or just depression that high schoolers go through and every age of people go through this but just highlighting high schoolers here because that's what I can relate to the most at the moment right now yeah a lot of that we need more of that we need more black people and we need more just like we just need more mental health help and going into like once things get really bad I have seen I've seen people's mental health slip and they don't get help until it gets to the very like the very thin line between like a life or death situation because of mental health and when you go into these hospitals you go into these um like outpatient clinics and you go into like these outpatient facilities and stuff like that to get help a lot of the time and I it's crazy that I just found this out a lot of the time black people get charged a lot more for mental health help than white people do that's crazy when I found that out, I was like what what bro and yeah I just think that's wild And we do definitely lack those resources. We definitely lack the mental health resources and stuff like that. I'm not really talking about a whole lot of the mental health aspect of this because I did have an entire episode about this. So I feel like I kind of, (laughs) I feel like I've kind of already talked about this enough. But speaking of resources, I do have an Instagram post up on my Instagram, on my podcast Instagram with a whole lot of resources. And then my link tree, which you can find in my Instagram as well. I have a lot of resources too. So just something I wanted to do to try to combat the lack of resources I'm not I can't give everything but I definitely tried to give a whole lot that I do know and a lot of resources that I do have just because we need these things obviously so yeah now the lack of rehabilitation that we have with drug abuse is very wild too it's very crazy take the crack cocaine epidemic in the 80s when when the CIA placed crack in our communities yeah that's not a theory actually happened um with Richard Nixon and Reagan and all that stuff like that when the crack if you don't know what the crack epidemic is of the 80s from the 80s to the 90s please please do your research on it look up crack cocaine epidemic in the 80s and all the research will come up but 
the lack of drug abuse, like rehabilitation really started from there because drugs and stuff like that was placed in the black community to purposely try to eliminate us, to purposely try to keep us down, to purposely try to make sure that we never advance, we never succeed. And because of that, a lot of like drug abuse rehab places weren't placed in predominantly black communities when the cocaine when the cocaine epidemic was really high, crack cocaine epidemic, whatever. When that was really high, you seen that white people were also doing cocaine, white people were doing a lot of hard drugs, and because the government seen that a lot of white people were doing these drugs, they made sure that rehabilitation centers were put into white communities and not black communities, which is gentrification. Like I said previously, I'm going to talk about that in a later episode, but it I bring this up, <clears throat> I bring up something that happened like years ago because it's still, you can still see the effects of it today. Drugs have stormed the black community like crazy. Black people, we have like the highest rates of doing drugs and stuff like that. Not more than white people. We have some of the highest rates, depending on which drugs we're talking about, but we do have a high rate of drug abuse and drug use in the community. And there is no help for us at all. There is no type of rehabilitation centers for us to get help. There's a stigma against us in the healthcare community when black people come in, when black people come into these um, these rehabilitation centers and these like, you know, outpatient things like that that I was talking about with mental health. When we come into these things, we're looked at as charity cases. We're looked at as, oh, we let our life slip. We're not looked at as victims. We're looked at as what's the word I'm looking for we're not looked at as victims and we're not looked at as like we need help or we don't have we don't get the compassion as opposed to our white counterparts who get that compassion they get that immediate help they get that understanding they get that oh my god this is just a person who made a terrible mistake and now they need their life fixed opposed to a black person when we go in we're looked at as oh well they chose to do this well they chose to mess their lives up and now they should deal with the consequences and it's like no the same thing applies as the same thing applies black white asian mexican it doesn't matter the same thing applies to every single race but you see that we have the lack of drug abuse rehabilitation because of gentrification because of what happened in the 80s and the 90s with the crack cocaine epidemic and when you go into these like I said when you go into low-income communities and when you go into predominantly black communities you rarely see any type of rehabilitation centers you don't see any of that and then the information isn't given to us either I remember like when the dare like when the dare things used to be popular like back when like back like late 90s early 2000s when you know the the lion would come they don't do drugs well drugs are really bad this isn't this i don't know why that stopped i have no clue why that stopped but a lot of like drug prevention things in school stopped happening all the little pamphlets that we used to get we just we just stopped getting them and i know for a fact that white schools get them white communities get them and a lot of white communities they emphasize how bad drugs are and this this and this and they have like community little events and stuff like that that people come into and talk about drug abuse and things like that and it's rarely talked about in the black community and in black communities because who because we're systematically meant to just have these drugs stuff in the community and it's terrible it's very bad it's very terrible and those who do suffer from drug abuse in the community like I said they're not taken care of they're not look they're not looked at as they need help they're looked at as oh they chose to do this with their life and now they don't deserve help which sucks that's terrible but the main rehabilitation I want to talk about is when black people are released from jail when people when we're incarcerated and we're trying to come back to society and we're trying to become functioning members of society we lack rehabilitation after jail I don't necessarily know the mental effects that happen when you get out of jail. But I know for a fact, bro, take COVID. Take when we were all, quote unquote, locked up for like a few months, like six to seven, eight months. We couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't do anything. When we came back into society and we started going back out, people started acting a fool. People were acting a plum fool. We didn't know how to go back into society and be regular functioning people. We were going to stores and it'll feel weird going into stores. It'll feel weird going to your friend's house it'll feel weird going to a park after being locked up in your home for so long so I can only imagine a person being in jail for more for an entire year and then coming out and having to function like a regular person I don't like I don't think anyone can do that and there's no type of intervention at all for people who are 
in jail and for the people who get out of jail. And obviously, this is not exclusive to Black people, but you see a lot of Black people incarcerated, and that's a whole nother conversation, a whole nother episode (laughs) that I'm going to do too. But when Black people are incarcerated and then they're released from jail, there is no type of help at all. And it's kind of similar to like, it's kind of similar to when veterans go overseas and then once they come back like to America and once they're like deployed, deployed, I don't know if that's the word, but once, you know, once they're not fighting anymore or anything like that, they don't have any type of medical help, dental help, no type of mental health for PTSD and things like that. They don't have any of that. It's the same thing with black people coming out of jail. A huge example of that is the Khalif Browder case when I don't know if, if you don't know who this is Cleve Browder was a person he was a he was a young boy who went to jail um he was falsely he was falsely incarcerated for like three years at Rikers Island and when he got out of jail you know they found that he was not guilty he came out of jail and stuff like that and then a few months later he ended up committing trigger warning he ended up committing suicide because of everything he went through while he was in jail everything he went to before everything he went through like during the process of getting incarcerated and then once he got out everybody were trying to do these interviews with him everybody was trying to talk to him things like that and it's like no one reached out for help no one got him the help he needed and he ended up taking his own life because there's no rehabilitation there's no intervention for for us black people who get out of jail and then we need help afterwards and it's sick it's annoying because how could you possibly even think for a minute that when a person comes out of jail a high a hot a highly secured a very toxic environment where prisoners do not get treated like humans or anything at all like that they get out of jail and you just expect them to be able to go back to day-to-day everyday life perfectly fine no and when i say intervention i mean that there needs to be something in place for Uh, there needs to be something in place for incarcerated people so that they have this rehabilitation while they're in jail and also when they come out when they come out of jail I honestly 100% feel like every person when they come out of jail they need to go through some type of rehabilitation need to go through some type of therapy they need to go through some type of intervention to make sure that when they get out or to make sure that when they're out they can be functioning humans in society and they can know how to get a job and do things that they may have forgotten as when they were in jail because that's a very traumatic experience no matter what they did no matter what happened people need rehabilitation and us as black people we definitely definitely need that because you see a whole lot of time you see a constant cycle of black people going in and out of jail in and out of jail whether you either dead or in jail you see a whole lot of that especially in the black community and especially when people who come out of jail they're more than likely gonna come back to those low-income communities with no healthy food with no um financial literacy with none of that and then they go back and they do the same thing over again because they don't have the resources in order to get better they don't have rehabilitation they don't have people making sure they're okay and stuff like that and like i like i keep saying obviously that's not it's not exclusive to the black community but i just obviously I'm a black woman and I see that happen so much and it's so it's so annoying it's so stressful and it's such a headache because I just because I just want us to be okay I just want us to be cool I want us to be fine and I want us to be able to progress but there are so many obstacles and there's so many things in the way such as lack of rehabilitation the lack of healthy food resources the lack of mental health the lack of drug abuse help food deserts fast food places being placed in communities not having financial literacy it's just so many things that gets put in place for us to make sure we will never grow and it's so irritating it's so annoying i kind of went a little bit off topic there (laughs) my fault i just it got a little bit overwhelming, but back to the rehabilitation. I just, I just truly feel like we, we just don't have enough rehabilitation for these people. And what do I think we can do to fix that? Like I said, I think we should have, um, I think we should have people who are like freely, not freely. I think we should have people who are newly like released from prison. We need intervention. We need people to make sure that this person is cool that this person can go back into society and that this person is okay and that we don't have another Khalif case where a person kills themselves after they come out of jail because there's no compassion for us there's no compassion for us as black people there's no compassion for us whenever we go through anything like drug abuse or mental health 
issues of being incarcerated from jail? Where is the rehabilitation? Where is the, where is it? Where is it? Because if I'm being serious, I see it with white people a lot. I see like, oh my goodness. I have seen so <laughs> my parents, they watch this show called Love After Lockup. I don't know if y'all know the show or not, but I occasion I watch it sometimes occasionally. I don't really watch it a lot because I don't really like the glorification of prison and stuff like that. But I do like see some episodes sometimes and I see the white people like the white people who are like released from jail or like while they're in jail, they get help. They get all the right food. And I know like stuff with jail comes with like, you know, people putting money on stuff and stuff like that. But when they get out of jail, I always see that they have like therapists, they have good PO officers, they have everyone helping them, they have everyone making sure that they're okay. Everyone is all hands on deck. But then when it comes to a black person being released from jail and when it comes to a black person being in jail, they're not getting any help. They're struggling. And the private prison system is a whole, oh my goodness, the private prison system is a whole other thing. But essentially, prisons make money off of every prisoner there. So, well, where was I going with that? Yeah, prisons, prisons make money off of every person that's in there. So, they're not going to spend any more money, especially on a minority. They're not, it, it happens with Mexicans as well. It happens with any minority. They're not going to spend more money on a black person or a white person not white person or on a black person or a Mexican person or an Asian American person, they're not going to spend more money on them because in their racist mind and in their corporate mind, they know that they might come back because of this rehabilitation. So they're not going to put a whole lot of money into them to make sure they have these resources and this intervention and this rehabilitation, either once they get out or once they're in there because they want them to come back. They want them to continuously come back so they can continuously make money off of them. But of course, because of these screwed statistics where white people are not going to jail and black people going to jail more and blah, 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 and this, this, and this, that more black people are in jail than the population, whatever. Of course, because these statistics, a privately owned jail or a privately owned company is going to look at that and say, there is no point of us making sure that this person has rehabilitation. There's no point of us making sure that this person has intervention because they're going to come right back. They're going to come right back. Like, and that's such a sick mentality. That's so sick to just see a, a human life as money. Come on, capital. I hate capitalism. <laughs> I hate capitalism, but that's a whole nother conversation, but with all that being said, just the lack of rehabilitation on all aspects of mental health, drug abuse, and just uh, release from jail and incarceration, that just creates an evil, evil diabolical plan, and I hate it, and it's honestly saddening. It's very sad. All of these lacks of resources are saddening, but this one is just even more, like, it just touches the heart even more because, it, yeah, it just it just really touches the heart. Thank you all so much for tuning in today's episode. It really means a lot. And I know I talked about a whole lot here with the lack of financial literacy, the lack of healthy food options, and the lack of rehabilitation. And I know I kind of rambled a little bit, <laughs> just a little bit in this episode, but a good ramble is always needed, of course. I always tend to go off script anyway, so hey, it's cool. Um, If you're not already, go ahead and follow all of my socials so you can stay tuned on everything such as updates and posts, etc, etc. My podcast Instagram is at TheVibeHive, T-H-E-E-V-I-B-E-H-I-V-E. My main Instagram is at VibeShy, two S's, two Y's with a dot in the middle. My Twitter is the same exact thing. And if you want to go ahead and follow my Facebook, you can. I don't talk about anything on there. I just be talking to talk. It's at ShyTheVibe if you want to go check that out. So, yeah. Before I completely end this episode off, though, I want to give a huge, 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 huge shout out to Entrusted Brand. Now, if y'all are not hip, if y'all don't know what's up already, make sure you go give them a follow because they got some super duper hot stuff on the way. I done seen Kobe and Jalen work super hard. They've been creating designs. They've been creating all these different things such as hoodies, hoodies, ski masks, shorts, sweatshirts, shirts, everything. What, Whatever you want, they are doing it. And I can't wait for them to finally drop. I cannot wait for this. And I'm so excited for them. I'm super duper proud of them, seeing how hard they've been working. It really means, I know it means a whole lot to them. It means a lot to them. 
And I just love seeing them doing what they're doing because I know that it's their passion. Man, oh my God, I'm so proud of them. I could cry. I could cry. But <laughs> if you're not already, make sure you're following their Instagram at Entrusted Brand, N T R S T D Brand, B R A N D. Make sure you're following both of the CEOs, too, Jalen and Kobe. Make sure you see what's up with them. Jalen's Instagram is at J X Y N O R, J Noir. And Kobe's Instagram is Entrusted Kobe, N T R S T D Kobe. Make sure you give all of them accounts to follow because you are not going to want to miss this drop y'all not going to want to miss it because they they have some super high stuff on the way trust me they haven't even showed me everything i don't know we don't know anything i don't know any i don't know anything all i know is what they show me i know just they just got so much more stuff in the vault that i need i need it but (laughs) make sure you go check that out so super proud of them but with that being said thank you all so much for tuning in with me today at the vibe hive and i'll see you all later